0: Keeping Realty is available Wednesday of each week, produced by Gabriella DeAngelis. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the views or positions of any entities they represent. Coldwell Banker Realty is owned by a subsidiary of Anywhere Advisors, LLC, Colwell Banker is a registered service mark owned by Colwell Banker Real Estate, LLC. Keeping it Realty Podcast is the place where we will discuss everything you need to know about buying and selling real estate, as well as the true reality and behind the scenes of being an agent today. I am so passionate about helping you achieve your goals while navigating you through the world of buying and selling by providing you helpful tips, expert advice, as well as real life experiences to help you gain the confidence to be where you dream to be. Join me as I introduce our special guest, Vice President of Mortgage Lending at Guaranteed Rate Affinity, Mark Evans. He has come on today to talk with us about the pre-approval process, expenses that first time homebuyers aren't aware of or don't think about, and lastly, mistakes to avoid when purchasing your first home or any home. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Keeping It Realty. I am so excited. Once again, I am just so thankful to be sitting down right now recording this. I have on Mark Evans.
1: Hello, Miss Gabriella. How are
0: you? Good. How are you? I am fine, and
1: I'm really glad to be in sitting on this second episode with you.
0: Good. Me and Mark are like besties. He is what makes Caldwell Banker and our Northern Kentucky office so fun, so I feel like we should just get right into this episode, and feel like it's only right to ask you, what is the real tea on buying your first home?
1: Well, the real tea in realty <laughs> would be to first get the pre-approval done before you do anything. Uh, in, in today's market, if you're not pre-approved going in, you really could be wasting your time, as well as the realtors that are out there showing you homes and everything else. So, so it's important to get that pre-approval. Now there is, a, there is a difference between a pre-qualification and a pre-approval. So some people will just do a pre-qualification, and that's where basically the lender just evaluates the, the debt, the income, the assets, and provide an estimate on how much that you're likely to be approved for. Whereas a pre-approval will look through the credit report, financial information to determine your, your approved loan amount. Once that process is complete, then we can disclose the specific mortgage amount and, and help the buyers pin down an interest rate, uh, which will help strengthen their purchase offer. Because in today's market, with the, really the lack of inventory that's really out there, you have one shot. So it needs to be your best foot forward.
0: Right. 100%. I agree. In terms of the pre-approval process, what are they going to need to get pre-approved?
1: Okay. Well, our process, and I can't speak for everybody, but our process is pretty simplistic. It's an application. It is done online. Uh, I like to talk to the people even before they write the application up or fill out the application. That way they get to know me, I get to know them. When I send them the application, it takes about 15 minutes or so to complete. Really just kind of basic information. Now, Uh, Name, date of birth, social security number, that is pertinent. Job history, we need two years of stable employment, two years of residency. So if you've lived in some places, maybe four or five months at a time, you were in between homes. Every place where you've lived in the last two years, we we need to track that as far as the money in the bank listing all of your assets whether it's retirement funds 401k checking accounts savings accounts anything like that we're trying to make the pre-approval for you the best way that we possibly can so don't withhold any information because all that's going to do is hurt everybody in the law in the long run so be upfront with everything be completely open so that's another thing where that pre-approval comes in we're not going to stretch somebody out to where they're going to be payment poor or all their income is going to the house payment. So it's important to get all that up front in the beginning with that pre-approval process.
0: Right. So what are the statements that you need in order to have a pre-approval in hand?
1: Okay. We will need, if they're a W-2 employee, the last two full years of W-2s. With COVID coming on, people have switched jobs, done that kind of thing, so they may have multiple W-2s in the same year. That's great. That's fine. We just need them all because we look at a two-year average on their salary. So that's where we we base things at. Bank statements for the last couple of years. Checking account. Your savings statement. Last quarter of your retirement statement. Those are all important because we have to show that the buyer does have money for that. Some people even get gift Gift funds for closing or for the down payment, which is completely fine. We just have to document
0: that. I know one of my past clients that you actually were the lender for used a gift, and I think some people that never purchased a home probably want to know more, so explain exactly what the gift is and how that works.
1: In cases where they can make the monthly payment on the house, that's not a problem, but they don't have the financial assets up front to get the money to put the down payment on. We can use basically a gift from a, from a relative family member, uh, somebody has got a vested interest in that buyer. So it's basically filling out a template form uh, that says, I am going to gift or give X number of dollars to the buyer for the purchase of a home and do that without any expectation of paying it back.
0: Right. Now, I think we should talk about the do's and don'ts of getting pre-approved. Not a lot of first-time home buyers are educated enough on what you can't do when you're pre-approved and in the process of purchasing a home, like buying a new car or whatever. If sure. You want to go into that.
1: Yeah, the pre-approval document is a fragile piece of paper. Uh, when we send that out, when I send it out, and I can speak for myself, send it out to the buyer and also to their agent. Because that agent's going to need that to accompany their offer when they put it in. So there are some things that can wreck a pre-approval. There's things you can do that just keeps it going the way that it is. Let's start easiest with what to do. So the first thing you want to do is basically you want to stay current on all your existing accounts, credit card payments, whatever that's going to be because one 30-day late notice can really wreck or compromise the entire pre-approval letter. So we want to try to avoid that. Right. Uh, continue to use their credit as normal. Changing patterns can cause red flag uh, and can lower the credit score. So we don't want to change anything related to credit because credit is so sensitive. So many people, it takes so long to build your credit up, but it can be one little black eye wrecks the whole thing. So we don't want to do that. If anybody has any questions, call your mortgage lender first before you, decide whether you should do this or should not, he or she should be able to help you out with that. Speaking as far as some of the things not to do, don't go out and apply for new credit. Every time you have your credit pulled by a potential creditor or lender, you can lose points on your credit score. And this includes even co-signing for a loan or applying for a new credit card. Not matching out the credit cards, which is so important. They're so sensitive and they're so easy to use. So a good rule of thumb is never put more than 30% of your available balance at any given time or during a billing statement cycle on the credit card. Anything 30% or below will positively impact your credit score. Don't consolidate your debts because when you do onto one or two credit cards, it will appear that you are maxed out on that card and your credit score is going to suck. Don't close credit card accounts because then it can't positively impact your credit score. So once it's closed, it's done. You can't no longer have access to that. Don't transfer money in between accounts. Unless you're receiving complete documentation from your bank itemizing all the transfers, that could have a negative effect. Don't make career moves. That's that's the big one. Let's talk about the job changes for a second. Don't change jobs while obtaining mortgage financing. But if that's the situation and sometimes it's out of necessity that people have to do that, talk to your mortgage professional first. Ask them, how's that going to help? And if I do have to switch jobs, what's it going to take for me to do this to where I can remain pre-approved. Don't let any accounts go in the red as far as being insufficient. Uh, on your funds, keep all those in good standing. Don't keep your cash in a safe or overseas account. Safe money cannot be counted. We can't put that towards down payment or anything because we have no idea where it comes from. Right. Because of the possibility of money laundering, anything like that. Every dollar in a, in a mortgage loan has to be accounted for. So that's, that's important.
0: It has to be sitting in your bank account for how many months would you say? Uh, it, it needs
1: to be in there for a period of time
0: we're talking like 3 to 6 months? No, it
1: doesn't necessarily have to be in there that long. If it's something that's unusual, say you're you're used to putting in maybe a $1,000 every month into your bank account and all, and of, all sudden, of a sudden there's 5,000 in there. Right. We got to find out where that came from and we're going to have to source where that money came from. Right. So don't plan on using safe money. I know some people use safe money when they were afraid that the banks were going to go under or safe to do it at home, which it may be uh from that aspect of them thinking, but in reality in conducting this type of business, it's it's not it's detrimental to that mortgage.
0: Right. I think I want to say just a few mistakes from an agent perspective that I think is really important. Number one would be underestimating the cost. So many first-time homebuyers are unaware and just think of the down payment, but there are also um, expenses like your closing costs and your property insurance and taxes. And if you are buying a home that has an HOA, you're going to have those dues. You have utilities, maintenance, inspection, appraisal, There are a lot of other expenses, earnest money, that come into play when purchasing a home. Another one is leading with emotions. If your agent writes an offer for you and you are just falling in love with it right away, there are contingencies in majority offers and you don't want to get your hopes up, which also comes with another mistake, not getting pre-approved before looking at homes, which I feel like nowadays, a lot of agents won't even show you a house unless you're pre-approved. Mark, that's not funny, Um, because um, you don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to go see all of these homes that you financially cannot afford. So, And I know Mark definitely would agree with me with that.
1: Oh, absolutely, I would. When you put an offer in today's market, it has got to be your best foot forward. And there are so many things that can make your offer not as appealing as somebody else because a lot of homes, and you've probably seen quite a few of them right now, uh, in today's market that have multiple offers going on. If If your home is on the market for any length of time, uh, it's probably, it might. Price too high. It's probably a price too high, or it's in such bad shape that nobody wants
0: it. Right, and just for a real life example, I'm under contract right now with a client. It had been on the market for a day and a half at the most. She fell in love with it right away, and we'd been looking for months. We wrote the offer and I called the agent, actually before I would wrote the offer and said, hey, am I wasting my time? And she said yes, and that was already going 10K over asking, because I knew we were in multiples. Um, But when you work with a good agent and you know how to negotiate and write a good offer, we ended up getting it. But we did go 20 over asking. But I think that brings us into talking about an appraisal. I think that is very important. And in this market, especially that we are in, when you're dealing with being in multiple offers, I was so worried about it not appraising. Turns out it appraised at exactly what we wrote the offer for, which is lucky because it doesn't always happen like that. So I think, Mark, you should talk a little bit more about that.
1: Sure. The appraisers do not work for the lenders. They are completely third-party, non-biased. As a mortgage lender, I don't even know the people that are going to be appraising the home. So when an appraiser comes out to the property to look at it, it's important for whoever is selling that property to have it in the best possible shape that it can be. Uh, because we want those homes to appraise at the value of what's being offered. Right. In some situations right now with, with the market, somebody's putting an offer in on $300,000, but the appraiser comes out and after their appraisal, his or her appraisal, the house is only worth 280000 which is, it is not completely unheard of in the market right now. Right. So what happens to that? That has some consequences to it, and it can be used as a negotiation tool for... The buyer, mm-hmm. but that contract stated three hundred thousand. But the loan is only going to cover up to what the appraiser values the house at, right? Or that property. So what they're going to look at is, say, your house is three bedroom, two bath. Uh, they're going to look at other homes that have recently sold in that area. That might be three bedroom, two bath. Hopefully, around the same square footage, and see what those price ranges were going for. That's that's called a comparable.
0: right? and there is one other thing that just came to mind that i want you to talk about is there are down payment assistance programs out there right now mm-hmm. to promote home buying essentially and get more people to buy for people that are thinking about buying a home the requirements for some of them or how important it is to not just think I can't buy a home, I don't, whatever, but there are so many other ways out there to help you and there are programs to assist you in buying a home, Mm -hmm. especially as a first-time home buyer.
1: Right. There is down payment assistance programs that are out there. Some are national programs, some are ran by the state, and there's even some that are ran by by the city or local cities and and governments. Uh, All those programs, uh, the buyers and the lenders need to look into to see if they are grants or if they have to be repayable. Uh, we have some in our area that are uh, they're listed as repayable, but if the buyer lives in that property for say 10 years, they don't have to pay it back. Right. So it then becomes forgivable. It's very similar to a to a, what a gift would be from a relative, like we spoke to earlier. Right. Only it's usually through some kind of agency, and there may be a, a interest rate that's attached to it, and people don't necessarily want to pay that back, but in the long term they're fronting you the money, so that way they get it back on the backside and it helps, it helps the buyer get the home as well.
0: That's all great information. Um, the last thing that I do wanna to touch on is, I feel like a lot of people know that it's false, is you have to put 20% down, which FHA loans, I want Mark to just talk about the um, minimum requirement that first time home buyers can put down on a home.
1: With FHA loans, they have a negative connotation to them. Uh, They're good loans. They're strong loans. They're set up with a 3.5% down payment as opposed to uh, a conventional loan, which is typically 5%. Now, there are 3% conventional loans that are out there as well. Uh, But the 3.5% FHA loan, uh, I alluded earlier to the debt-to-income ratio. So if if somebody makes $1,000 a month, and they're paying out $500 a month between credit card bills and car payments and that type of thing, uh, then their debt to income ratio is at 50%. That's above the limit of what you could qualify for really on a a conventional loan, Um, but it would be acceptable for an FHA. So they're more forgiving for those types of buyers. Uh, They're good loans. Right. It just all depends and and sometimes somebody's credit score may not be as high as others which may keep them from getting a conventional loan or the interest rate may be even better for them to go the FHA route. Just because they're starting out with that loan, chances are they're not going to finish that loan. After the 30 years they're probably going to refi two or three times and this will allow them time to help heal their credit score, to help build their assets to where they could get a conventional loan. Right. Because with the FHA loan, um, you're looking at a PMI payment that's going to run a little bit longer than uh, typical typical conventional loan will.
0: Right. Okay. Well, I hope you guys feel a little bit more educated on. The pre-approval process, buying your first home, when it comes to expenses and everything like that, I have linked below um, Mark's website if you are interested in getting pre-approved in the, your license in Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky, correct? Correct. Um, so if you are interested, you can always fill out an application. It takes literally like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can call Mark.
1: Yep, call me at 859-556-2962. would be glad to help.
0: So my website is linked below as well and as well as a Google form that if you want to get weekly newsletters on the episodes, I would love to send that out to you. All you have to do is just type in your name and email and immediately you will get a newsletter. And I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode and I can't wait for next week. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming on my podcast. You're the best. You're welcome, Bestie. That is
1: no problem. And I will tell you, uh, if you are looking for a realtor... uh, you're not going to be Gabrielle. She's she's great.
0: Aww. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed. And Mark will definitely be coming on soon. We're just going to brainstorm some of the topics because there's too many. So, that's good. Love you. Bye.